0: Special guy here today.
2: Oh!
0: He put in the request himself to come down. Ladies and gentlemen, Lou Bega. No, Lou Bega's still alive. Damn it.
3: I mean, not damn it that he's not that he's not dead.
0: I was going to... Brendan, <laughs> I, I, know, I know. I Look, I get you've been anti-Lou Bega for many years, but I, I don't know that we should wish him dead. Poo on Lou! <laughs> <laughs> I got a big guest today. Big guest. Hey, well, request. Own request. Wanted to say hi. Kelsey Grammer. Ladies and gentlemen... I give you Jesus Christ. Hello, my friends. It is so nice to be here to meet you. I've come down from Republican heaven, both of them, because I do not take a side. Mm-hmm. Because I am a man of peace. You know this. You've read my book. Jason, did this person tell you that they were Jesus? Yeah. Where right. did you Where did you meet them? Look, I don't think that's important. Look, the fact is... I'm still here. No, we're just having a little sidebar here. Don't worry about it, uh, oh, Lord. It is okay. Look, he's the real deal. Okay. I checked this. I double checked it. I did background checks. Mm-hmm. I, I called uh, hospitals. Okay. He's the real. Dude. You called
3: hospitals. Yeah. Like the like the manger.
0: Yeah. Well, well sort of. I mean, I just wanted to see if there was a uh, they lost like a like a Jesus guy and, and yeah. they, none of them had
3: Okay. Oh, okay. So I'm
0: pretty sure. he's the Okay, well, we'll just back. let him continue, I guess. Come on back in, my lord. It's fine. Thank you. Man. Was he smoking? <laughs> well, I mean, what are you going to do? Tell him not to? Okay. I apologize. If it is too much, I will put it out.
3: In the studio, yes. All right. Excuse me, my children.
0: I just wanted to stop by. I want to say you are doing my work with this podcast. You are expanding the word of the Lord through the lens of British film. Which, I, you must know, is, is my favorite type of film. I have uh, Over the years, I have been watching your Earth and your people. And uh, I have come to enjoy the British film uh, most of all.
3: Okay, well, from the words of the Lord.
0: And in fact, I will go for as far to say, as my favorite British movie of all time is 1996's The English Patient.
3: Oh, I'll, Jason? Lord,
0: uh, are you sure that's your favorite? Yes, absolutely. It was a romantic experience that I personally... Related to in a very, very deep way.
3: Well, I'm an atheist. Whoa, shit.
0: Uh, well, look, uh, uh, I don't want to say anything bad about you because I'm no. not a blasphemer. There's one thing you can say about this guy. He's not a blasphemer. I appreciate that. That's right. Um, Goddamn right you're not. But uh, I just want to say thank you so much, uh, Lord, for coming on the show um, and doing so little, but but, in, but in, in totality doing so much. That is why I'm here. I only need to do a little bit. Uh, and if you will look in behind Brandon's laptop, you will find a small pot of wine and six sardines. And I have left them just for you. I don't know. So now I must return to Republican Heaven. There is a, uh, uh, a watch along party tonight for the Masked Singer. We have our own version up there. Uh, so I must go. So I guess that's it.
3: Yeah, we'll see. You grab one of those and head on your way, buddy. Okay.
0: Believe in me, jetpack. That was really cool that he came all the way down here. There's a
3: little accent on the E in his first name. Are you sure this is the right person? Yeah, no, it's the right guy. Okay.
0: I saw the holes. Exante gout, as they say. Was it an accent Goot? Sure. Exante Grave, perhaps? And that's all French. We're talking about what you assume to be a Spaniard? Are you a racist? Are you an ethicist? This is a podcast. Where we discuss British films, specifically, Brendan, tell me. The British Film Institute
3: top 100 British films of all British time As
0: established in the only year that matters, 1999, of which we were to party like it was, and we did, and when we did party like it was, 1999, in 1999, you know what happened? We got a list of the 100 best British films of all... Time.
3: It was the year of our guest that
0: we just had. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. He was there. He he hung out with Prince that year.
3: Yeah. and uh, I saw it all and, over and, MTV. And now he hangs out with Prince again. <laughs> Boom. Because he's, he's dead. <laughs> See, we hit elbow to elbow because we respect covid uh <laughs> restrictions that's why we're in the same room that's right that's right <laughs> hey he's par- he's
0: part of my uh what do we call consistent it? 10 consistent 10 brendan yeah. is part of my consistent 10 we are following the law to all regulations
3: and you're part of my uh you know topsy-turvy 500 so absolutely perfect.
0: that's that's great that's a lot of fun we have with all those 498 other dudes and make no mistake it's all dudes speaking of 498 other dudes
3: um i have no segue for this jason <laughs> We need, we need to talk about a movie this week on this list, on this BFI Top 100, because that's what we do. We go through this list every week, and we break down a movie off this list. We do. That's what we do normally. Um, you know, we have fun sometimes. Wait, are we doing something
0: different this week? No, we're not doing anything different. Okay, okay. You,
3: <laughs> I have to go watch a movie. <laughs> no, we were, watching, we're talking about a movie. We're not watching a movie. That'd be boring. We're talking about a movie on
0: this list. That might be a bonus episode, a watch-along, but that's later. Don't it's not even
3: that. a watch-along. You literally will just hear us watching. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You might hear it faintly in the background, the movie just playing.
0: You'll hear uh, drinks being drunk, you'll hear farts and burps, and yeah. all, all the ancillary uh, sounds.
3: No uh, no, no jokes from us, no. just
0: watching it. Oh God, we should have done that with that four-hour Dr. Zhivago remake.
3: Yeah, we should have.
0: Because yeah. I can't think of a single person who wouldn't sync that up. <laughs> <laughs> we can actually probably like sync it up ourselves and upload it, and nobody would copyright strike us, because why? <laughs> Kira Knightley would be like, I was in that? Why am I naked? (laughs) They'd love that. That'd be the first time that
3: movie got any notice whatsoever. You know what? I just thought of it, though. If they didn't think that that movie had any kind of copyright thing, they would be like, why is that 16-year-old girl naked in this movie?
0: Uh, Well, maybe that's the thing. It has no copyright because nobody wants to claim it. Well, I think think we might get arrested. (laughs) Oh, well, we'll just blur it. (laughs) It's almost worse. We'll, we'll, we'll put my face and your face over each of the breasts. Okay, that's worse than, than <laughs> her just being naked.
3: <laughs> Guys, Dr. Zhivago, Keira Knightley, very young, naked. It's weird. Yeah. Anyway, we're not talking about Dr. Zhivago. No. Either Heck version. Um, but before we talk about this week's movie, Jason, we do need to read some comments, of which I'm sure we have a few, about last
0: week's film, Life of Brian. This podcast is proudly presented to you in monographic stereo. One channel, that's enough. Monographic stereo, get it today on one speaker. So let's get
3: right into it, Jason. Let's read some comments about last week's film, Life of Brian. Start us
0: off. We've got so many comments today, Brendan, so we can't be fucking around, Brendan. Can't be fucking around. No fucking around. You understand me? Our first comment is from our serial commenter, Andrew Littlefield. Good to hear from you, Andrew. Andrew says, it's better made than holy grail. Agreed. More budget. It has more budget and has a better ending in that it has one. That's true. I like it more because it was, ball- it was ballsy for them to openly take on Jesus, even if Brian isn't Jesus. To date, it's the only movie I've seen to portray Israel the way it was with multiple men claiming to be the Messiah. Classic. It's historical, says Andrew. <laughs> There you go. All right, Brendan. Next next comment. Go. Eric, we need to comment on these a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> Otherwise, we're literally just reading. No, we got to get this done. Go. <laughs> Eric
3: Chung says, I watched Grail, Brian, and Life before I ever saw Flying Circus. My dad showed my brother and me these films, and this one was really late at night, so I think I had to finish it later. It's definitely my favorite. I did a reading of it last summer, and I requested to play Michael Palin's uh, jailed character because I've been doing that impression for more than 20 years. Go ahead. Do the, do the... You know
0: it. L- bastard <laughs> there you go <laughs> yeah eric that's great yeah i love that character uh but that's the thing i'm a i'm a boy i grew up watching monty python so i did lots of monty python characters i'm sure eric you must have too if you watched some monty python but monty you know. python and blue nui i object to all this sex on tv i mean i keep falling off Uh, let's see, Tom Hannigan, that's a good name. Good, solid name. Quarterback's name. That Tom Hannigan is playing for the Patriots this year? Great. All right, no fucking around. Let's get to this. (laughs) I just saw Meaning of Life for the first time and thought it was just a higher-budget flying circus. Some great bits, but inconsistent. Holy Grail is more consistent comedically, but it's not as good of a movie. Life of Brian is the best thing they've done from start to finish, and I agree. Absolutely. Life of Brian, or sorry, uh, Meaning of Life is definitely in the spirit of the show. Yeah. Uh, With with thematic thematic links rather than well to be fair in the show the thematic links were kind of even tenuous until the later seasons after cleese left and they started doing like more long form kind of sketch uh kieran o'connell this is an interesting point it's interesting
3: americans always seem to prefer grail while the brits like brian whether wonder if it has anything to do with americans generally being more serious about religion
0: probably that but also uh i mean as quotable as brian is grail is just so endlessly quotable i don't know if that's like a, Just because it's more successful in America, it's more quoted. But I feel like that's the one that always gets quoted. Mm. Uh, I still hear kids say, uh, 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 Come back, I'll bite your legs off. All the time. Yeah. They're always saying it (laughs) Uh... (laughs) on the streets. In and, uh, and,
3: and the waiting rooms, across America and in, Canada. In the sheets. This great land of ours. Count all the
0: votes. Sorry, Jason, keep going. We're going down a, a path here. Wickham Clayton writes in. Hi, Wickham. Good to hear from you again. I'm sure we've heard from him before. I no don't fucking know, around, it, Jason! I don't know too many Wickhams. No fucking around! No fucking around! I love this movie, but Holy Grail is the uh, holy grail of the movies for me. Life of Brian's commentary is incredibly witty and insightful. There's so much to tear into it with the satir- with the, its satirical approach that sort of gives it... it sort of gives up at the ending, which is memorable with that great song. It just doesn't fully realize its premise and goes with an ah-well ending. I love that space battle, though. Yes, Wickham, as do I. That's uh and I hey I get that perspective. I think Brian's the best movie, but yeah. I understand why people think Holy Grail is and that's a good case to be made, friend. Go I get ahead. that
3: I get that criticism and I will, I will second that on the space battle, a scene that I completely didn't know existed yeah. before watching it's, the movie. It's a
0: wonderful it's a wonderful shot to the arm. <laughs> wow.
3: Um, Leonard C Chadwick says it's my favorite python film as much as i love grail brian is form- far more cohesive as a whole and while it does have moments that telegraph the sketch comedy roots of the troupe, uh big nose halibut of good enough for jehovah etc it never feels like it veers far away from the story it's telling about brian further the theme speaks to me on a personal level as a non-believer who grew up very religious in an ev- evangelical home i love this movie to the core of me nice
0: nice I love that kind of love, man. This is evangelical. That's right, an evangelical Python.
3: I'll
1: tell you
0: about the life of Brian. The life of Brian. Okay, we don't have. We can't fuck around. Can't fuck around. Can't Brandon. fuck around. All right. Next comment. Matt Leach writes in, and Matt gets to talk about. Uh, he's talking about one of the bands I love. So uh, I'd say Holy Grail is my favorite. Here's a fun fact. Pink Floyd, great band would often watch Python in the studio during recording breaks. When they heard that the Python lads were trying to make a movie, but were having trouble raising money for the band, uh, raising money for it, the band gave them £200,000, but also convinced Led Zeppelin, Genesis, and a few others to chip in. Had it not been for those bands, we likely wouldn't have gotten any Monty Python movies at all. I love Pink Floyd, uh, Led Zeppelin, and Genesis even more now.
3: Yeah, and I mean, we talked a little bit about that, I think, when we talked about uh, Holy Grail about the tax breaks. Mm. So, there's definitely tax breaks I- included for these musicians that helped out. But I do, gen- that's what I think too. I do think there was genuinely Look, some love.
0: You can dodge taxes and do something good in the same way.
3: Yeah, exactly. You don't see Wesley Snipes financing a Monty Python movie. No. All right. <laughs> you should. Um, oh, my my first namesake, Brendan Tennant. Oh, um, wow. It's the first. We haven't had any Jasons right in here. I we? guess we're I guess we're best friends now. All right, nice. Sorry, Jason. <laughs> uh, Brendan Tenon says, absolutely love it, but I honestly go back and forth on whether I think Brian or Holy Grail is the best Python movie. As someone who studied Latin when I saw this movie, so many of the jokes hit that much harder, so I'll always have a fondness for it in that respect, even if Holy Grail has way more quotable lines and gags. I saw John Cleese at a special screening of Holy Grail a few years ago and he offered this interesting distinction between the two he said that Holy Grail consisted of these perfectly constructed sketches that were kind of loosely connected together with an overarching plot but that the scenes individually could stand on their own in an episode of Flying Circus Life of Brian on the other hand has some very brilliant and hilarious scenes but is much more focused on the plot and story arch of the characters because of that he felt that Life of Brian was the best Monty Python movie
0: I agree with that and I like that perspective because yeah that that to me maybe explains them why Holy Grail often stands out as more quotable because those individual bits stand yeah. so strong on their own, whether it's you know help help them being oppressed or whether it's you know the the Black Knight or what you know the Frenchman like they all stand on their own even without the lack of a truly cohesive over o- overarching uh, character arc well
3: story I think I, I think we talked kind of too about how life of Brian is the f- almost a full movie, yeah or basically like a full movie with a narrative and everything yeah. um, Holy Grail is like a mix. And meaning of life is like just straight sketches. Holy
0: Grail is a movie that goes until it stops, which is very Monty Python. That's yeah. kind of how the show was. It's just like, no, we don't need a punchline. It, it just ends. It feels less like a, like a cohesive movie though. Yeah. Yes. But
3: I mean, that's what I mean. I think we go from full cohesive movie, so so, and then meaning of life, like it's just
0: an extended episode of the show. Ross PM Weigel writes Brendan. He says, "It's Brendan." He writes dear Brendan, okay it 's just to me, not me, okay, just, well, you shut you. the fuck
3: up then don 't answer this comment <laughs> dear
0: Brendan, I feel yep. like the only I feel like the only meaning of life stand here that one has such great songs and so many great characters It's also a little bit more of a sketch style movie, which I think fits their stick best
3: well um, i can 't do a Doctor. Ruth impression, but I will say that uh, dear um, uh, dear confused and frustrated. Uh, uh, sure, I mean that—that's that, valid to me. Like, if you like a sketch, uh, like if they did Saturday Night Live the movie, and it was just a sketch comedy movie, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Of course, that's I'm surprised thing.
0: they never have like a Kentucky Fried I mean, movie. It would just be sketches I guess although that'd be fun film sketches would be I mean alumni well you think about like how they do those film sketches right now but we can't talk about SNL we're not fucking around All right. Okay. next next comment this is a long one okay Kelly Shea
3: says okay two things and one we talked about actually Jason Uh, number one in the biggest dickest scene the guards were apparently just like folks who the pythons asked if they wanted to be in a movie their only instruction was that they couldn't laugh so all that suppressed laughter during Michael Palin's whole bit was real number two my favorite memory of watching this movie is from Easter 1998 we got home from church and my dad's sister brother and i decided to watch this my mom who's not much of a money python fan walked in for a moment saw what we were watching sighed shook her head said you're all going to hell and walked out i was eight uh p.s i'm jewish now so take that mom
0: Ah, kelly shay that sounds like an irish name i I hope you're irish because that sounds like something an irish what happened in an irish family mother just saying oh you're all going to hell
3: you're all going to hell it's like that story about alec baldwin's brother saying everyone in this restaurant is going to hell
0: yeah Oh, Steve and I assume yeah, not yeah. Billy. No, no, Billy wouldn't do that. Billy's okay, I think. Billy's alright. Right. Is Billy the okay one? He seems fine. Yeah, Dan. Yeah, Daniel. Daniel's a bit of a like. Mm, I'm a, I'm a mobster. Wait, the one. Oh, in, wait, there is a Billy. The one in no, but I think Billy is was in next
3: of kin. I think he's the dicey one too.
0: All right, enough Baldwin talk. We can't be fucking around. Okay. All right, next comment. From wait, our... where does
3: James Baldwin fall? <laughs> That's a good question.
0: But we'll we'll uh, we'll uh, talk we gotta, about that later. We got a. Big, big comment here. Big comment. Sharon Harwatt, uh our our serial uh, commenter. She watched it. Number one. Yes, she watched this movie. Thank you, Sharon. That's awesome. So she says, I rewatch it all the way through again. Or I, sorry. She says, Sharon, Sharon says, I rewatched it all the way through again. And here are my thoughts in no particular order. Notes on the life of Brian, Sharon says. The first time I remember hearing about this movie was when one of the pythons was on the Graham Norton show and brought up how controversial the movie was. Was the controversy in any way connected to the Satanic Panic? I think it was a predecessor of the Satanic Panic, Sharon, because I think that really kicked up in the 80s. Now, certainly later on, maybe. I'm glad you're mentioning this because I don't know anything about this. What little I know. And, and Sharon, get me. Uh, get me here. You got to get me here, Sharon. I'm not an expert. But I think that was in the '80s. But good, but good, good theory. It's also a pretty good little horror movie, so you should check it out. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> you don't even know what I'm talking, I
3: don't know about. What you're talking about.
0: All right, next one. The, that gag at the end of the opening credits, where the angel gets shot and stops singing, is quite good. Oh, I love that. I love a good sniper shot. Uh, the blessed are the Meat Joke is great, especially Big Nose's wife's comment about how nice that is for them. <laughs> oh, isn't that nice? <laughs> I think if I watched this with an audience, I would find it a lot funnier. Well, yeah, that, uh, understandably. That's true of any movie. I'm, I'm disappointed that I've never actually got to see this with an audience, but they've never done it as a midnight movie here, unfortunately.
3: Closest I came to that was the Monty Python live show at the theater. Oh, that be, would have been good. Yeah.
0: Uh, the scene with Pontius Pilate is the funniest part so far. Okay, Sharon. I don't know if I agree with that, but he's pretty funny. Uh, I looked down for one second and now there are aliens. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yes! That was almost my That's now. how that's supposed to work. Yeah. Uh, Centurion Guard says, you're weird and weirdo. This is hilarious. Yeah, I agree. John Cleese saying somebody's weird is great. Graham Chapman trying to preach while a man haggles about a cord <laughs> is my kind of joke. Also, him trying to tell a story but constantly being interrupted about unimportant details reminds me a lot of my mom. And that's how Brendan and I often converse. Uh, I, I-, I want to make sure he knows all these. Stream of consciousness. Details. Absolutely. All these comments on how Christianity has many different branches and interpretations of the Bible still hold up really well. See, blessed are the cheesemakers. Uh, I have seen more of these guys naked than I care to see. Yeah, I've seen at least three of their penises. Sharon not say. a fan
3: of the 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 filmed penises here.
0: Oh, I guess yes. I was going to say she's not. Oh, but then she's none I care to see. Well, yeah, sure. But Graham Chapman was gay, so it's not like he have a chance, anyways. Um, Graham's Hail Caesar is perfect. Agreed. Uh, the ending is by far the best part, not the funniest, not uh, the best part. Uh, no wonder this got. No wonder this song got put into Spamalot. I didn't know that. Weird. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure they, there is a musical version of this called uh, he, uh, He's Not the Messiah, He's a Naughty Boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
3: yeah, I guess they put it in there too. I don't know a lot about uh, Spamalot. To be no, honest well, with you. it's just
0: it, I, I don't know that it's available to see outside of a Broadway theater.
3: All right, Jason. Sally Louise Grant says, This is easily the movie I've seen most in my life. It's my dad's favorite, and I probably knew quotes from it before I even saw it. There are so many great jokes in th- that you find on a repeated watching. And if someone says, If someone says, could be worse, I'm saying, could be stabbed. And you can watch it at both Christmas and Easter. That's true.
0: Well, it's good any time of the year, really. But yes, Christmas and Easter, your parents want to watch It's a Wonderful Life. That's a good option. It's a great movie. Great movie. That but, you saw uh, for the first time recently. I saw it for the first time all the way through this year. <laughs> um, I mean, I only watched it a couple years ago, so we're good. But I mean, that's the thing. I mean, there's a reason people love it. But we're not talking about It's a Wonderful Life. We got to get this going. We got one more comment, Brendan. Are you ready?
3: Yes. All right.
0: Tim LaRosa. Tim is a guy who wears a suit but without a tie and his sleeves rolled up. oh cool so he's like Richard Branson that's what I picture Does uh, he have shorts? yeah exactly he's like Richard Br- he could hang out with Richard Branson and nobody would, would think it was weird But Richard Branson would be like lose the dress shirt pal well Richard Branson would be like uh, well no you're you're I'm the I'm the alpha here and, and Tim would be like you got it dick <laughs> okay. so Tim. <laughs> sorry tim tim says i love it with all my heart but i think the best one is the meaning of life the meaning of life captures everything that made the tv so so deliciously insane and expands it into a movie level of production and skill it also lets you know from the start that it gives zero fucks and is going to do whatever it wants to do and it does absolutely yeah. Oh, meaning of life. That is such a fun movie. It is a fun movie. Um, Mr. Creosote he I, explodes. I think, I think.
3: I think. Bottom line, though, I'm still with Life of Brian. Being yeah. a lot of a lot of good points yes. for for every one of those movies. Yes. But I still think Life of Brian is the one that goes on the list. Final word.
0: If you like Monty Python, you can watch all of them including in Now for Something Completely Different. If you haven't actually seen the Monty Python TV show, it is worth a watch to see in Now for Something Completely Different. And if you have seen the Monty Python TV show, it is kind of cool to see those sketches done again in a different form on film. And it's also a good uh, primer. But yeah, all the Monty Python movies are good. Watch them all. But if for some reason your mom or your pastor has a gun to your head and says you can only watch one, then pick Life of Brian.
3: Yeah. You're, I, you know that situation that you often find yourselves in when your pastor pulls out a gun on you in the middle of a sermon? So You can only watch one movie this week. What's it going to be, boy? I swear to God, I will blow your brains out. <laughs> if you
0: say more than one movie,
3: I will kill you. Wow, I never thought we would get religious on this show. What am I talking about? That's like every week. Yeah. Um, Jason, our last thing we do here, just to wrap this up, is we compare this, obviously, to the American Film Institute Top 100. This movie, Life of Brian, is number 28. On the BFI Top 100. Number 28 on the AFI Top 100 is All About Eve, which you have not seen. Nope. So you give the win to life of Brian by default. By default. I have seen All About Eve, and honestly, that is one of my favorite movies. One of my favorite movies on the AFI Top 100. It's it's up there. All like, right, folks, can we
0: just take a quick side note here? All right, All About Eve, I'm sure it's great. Whatever, fuck you. But, are we just, on, but a quick note. If we were talking about the best hundred movies that were released between 1998 and 2003, I would have seen them all. Okay. So don't pretend that I'm some neophyte that hasn't seen some fucking movies in my day. I've seen collateral damage. Okay. I have seen bring it on. Okay. Opening night. I was there at bring it on. So don't you judge me, Brendan, for not seeing all about fucking Eve. Okay. All right, babe. so
3: So what you're saying is you've seen all about Steve.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. great movie.
3: (laughs) You might want to take that back after you watch it. (laughs) Yeah, so All About Eve is a wonderful, wonderful movie, and I'm just saying this because I'm going to say the life of Brian is obviously, it's taking the spot, Mm -hmm. but I can't stress this enough. If anyone out there has not seen All About Eve, please see All About Eve. It is like Betty Davis at her best. So what you're saying is I should see All About Eve. You should, at her bestie Davis. All right, no more fucking around. We got to move on. (laughs) All right, we got to talk about... This week's film, we have to talk about the Railway Children.
0: Choo-choo.
3: that music can only mean one thing, Jason. Yes, sir. It means that we are going from our comments section to our main movie discussion. Yes, sir. Otherwise, you wouldn't know what that music means because nobody knows what that music no, means. No, but no, it no. is the theme song to this week's film that we are talking about, number 66 on the BFI Top 100, called... The Railway Children. <laughs> yeah. All right. One thing I want to say right away, Jason, mm. no matter how we feel about this movie, at the end of the day or only at the end of a couple hours. I mean, I, I don't, we're not gonna be here for a whole day. No, certainly not. Uh, I felt a little deceived at the beginning of this uh, at this film.
0: Now, why would you feel, feel deceived, Brendan?
3: Well, as you and I watched the opening credits and we heard that lovely theme, mm. um, we we did start off by zooming in on this like music box and then seeing like an animated dove. Yeah. And I thought we were gonna get a whole animated opening sequence, so I was a little let down. So you were thinking
0: like you wanted like a Pink Panther style like mm-hmm. entire animated show opening yeah
3: fritz the cat
0: (laughs) that's the whole movie oh okay i I thought it was only
3: three minutes i thought that was a long opening credit sequence i was like wait when does the when
0: does the feature start why are these cats fucking that's what they should have done they shouldn't have had any title until the very end of the movie when it would just like flash on the screen
3: fritz the cat
0: yeah the movie
3: the movie's like it's padded with opening credit shit (laughs) Well, we are, yes, we are talking about the Railway railway Children. It is number 66, and it's also another movie which we had no idea.
0: No. About what it is. I, I saw Railway Children, and I thought, oh, so this is going to be like some kitchen sink drama about some homeless children that live on the railway and have to make do, and that there's a a, a kindly-seeming man that picks them up, and then it, it breaks bad, and they got to escape. And the,
3: Well, I thought, I thought, or like, yeah, if, if you go with that route, you have one of the children who's just like a little bit older than everyone else that just looks to the camera, and it's just like, they call me a railway child. One of the railway children, but no one can define who I am. Whatever they say uh, I am, I'm not. <laughs> I guess that's a little bit Saturday night and Sunday morning, but you
0: know. If I if I could see these people, they think I'm a railway child, I'd <laughs> line them all up against the wall and give them a right big wallop.
3: <laughs> railway children?
0: Not. Railway
3: children for life! <laughs> <laughs> I'll say when I'm a railway children. <laughs> but that's not what this movie is at all. We get back up, Mr. Wayne. Okay, yeah, no, it's not.
0: (laughs) No, No. it is not. Um, This movie is a, I guess you could call it a family picture, a nostalgia picture, uh, a comedy, a heartwarming uh, uh, sort of thing. Yeah, in the
3: same vein as like, um, maybe like Goodbye Mr. Chips was more of a family film. For sure. Set in
0: 1905. Yeah, 1905. Edwardian England.
3: Um, And also... It kind of has the look of the Go Between, even if the movie is nothing like the Go Between.
0: Yeah, it's got that. It, it like like the Go Between. Same like, year, um, nineteen seventy. Same year. Yeah, like the Go Between, like um, uh, 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 Chariots of Fire. It's got yep. a real pastoral, green feel to it. It's it's a yeah, really nice looking movie. It's a beautiful, beautiful, yeah, very aesthetic. colorful, yeah. very colorful, and and very evocative. And and you know, obviously, you're now nineteen seventy. If if you were I don't know. Ten years old in 1905. That would mean in 1970 you were 75 years old. Mm. So this nostalgic picture for a specific, I guess, group of people. But but you know, and also one of those novel translations. And this is very much in the trope of um, uh, a rich family gets quote unquote poor, and so they have to move to the country. I feel I mean, like we've seen that otherwise. Didn't that sort of happen in um, *Sense of Sensibility*? *Sense and Sensibility*. Yeah. I feel
3: like here, though, you really get the sense they're not well off because no. I mean, we literally have one of the children stealing coal just so that his mother can not
0: have cannot die. They they yes, they're poor certainly, but they at the end of the day, at the end of the very first day, they still have a servant working for them. But I don't know that that servant is even making that much money. No, certainly not. It's a small town. Out yeah. in the, the, and they have a very nice house that is kind of ratty when they get there, but they make do. They're living in a small town. Like that's like they're poor, but they walk out their front door and they've got this amazing view of like English countryside, rolling hills and stuff. It's, yeah. it's, it's fucking gorgeous. It is. <laughs> um
3: so yeah, this movie is about a bunch of superheroes. They're called the Railway Children. Yes, <laughs> uh, I mean kind of.
0: <laughs> uh, Peter Peter has the power of the locomotive. Uh, Phyllis has the power of the caboose, and uh, uh, Bobby is every car in between, baby. When we start out this movie, Brendan, life life's good, man. They're yeah. living in the city, they're having a fucking classic style Christmas with all the fixins. you know, they're living their best lives because daddy works for the foreign office. Now, I did not know this initially, which made the rest of the movie just a little bit confusing to me, because at the very beginning we see... Uh, uh, A box with his name on it And then it says Foreign Office So I thought he was Just a businessman Or something for most Of the movie So I was very confused When we uh, get to the First main plot point Of this film Mm -hmm. Well because it all Goes very well Mm. And then um, but then assume, so
3: we have three, we have three, three children, we should know. Yes. The three Bobby children is played by, uh, we didn't even list the cast. Bobby is played by Jenny Agutter.
0: Interesting. Uh, t- two interesting facts. One, Jenny Agater, of course, shows up in a later remake. And American werewolf in London. And American werewolf in London. And two, I'm currently watching a, a science fiction television program called The Expanse. And mm-hmm. in the second season, which I'm watching, there was a Marine introduced and her name is Roberta and also goes by Bobby. So I just, I did, I mean, it has nothing to do with this, but I just, but, I wanted to mention that fact and also promote The expanse because it's a fantastic direct show. reference yeah this. <laughs> i can see yeah, the the writers of the expanse uh uh the two guys that go by james s.a Corey. yeah they must have seen the railway children and <laughs> thought roberta that's a good name for a martian marine <laughs> we have bobby we have, we, who's, we have we, roberta who's bobby
3: yep we have uh, phyllis yes who's the middle child and yes. we have peter the youngest one Funny thing about Phyllis. Yeah. The actress, Sally Thompson, which I did not know. No clue.
0: She is 20 years old (laughs) playing an 11 year old. I know. Convincingly. It's crazy. It's ridiculous. Cause she's, yeah, she, I, until I read that, I was like, are you fucking serious? Like she does not give the impression that she's that old at all.
3: So I looked back a little bit after I read that and I was just like, okay, like if I really look maybe, and they do kind of position her. I noticed a lot of times she's like clearly lower in the frame to make her look shorter. And she has a very child like childlike face. So yeah. I mean, I never did. You know that actually, we might as well get into this now. Sure. On the set of this movie, nobody knew she was twenty. <laughs> so like, they, obviously, the people who hired her had to know. But she was um, she was a smoker, and they were like, "You can't be seen smoking. You can't be seen drinking." Your con- her contract basically forbid her to reveal her true age,
0: which is weird because like, what 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 do you think would happen if you revealed her true age? Would that I think she was just worried that she'd get fired. I mean, certainly in 60s Britain, we can imagine that there were, like, moral contracts, especially when it came to working with women. Yeah. <laughs> um,
3: yeah, and then, again, Jenny Agater, 17 years old, playing her older sister. Mm, so I think yeah. that's funny. Um, you mentioned, too, um, before, we, before we even get into this, really, Jenny Agater, the interesting thing about her is that when they did the remake, she played...
0: The mother character yeah, in the two thousand BBC, I think it's BBC remake of the, which I'm sure we'll probably watch at some point. Uh, maybe no, no, you don't probably to not, re- probably okay. not. We got a lot of we got that's a lot true. We plane. do have a lot of remakes of better movies. Maybe <laughs> oh,
3: <laughs> well, Jason, this movie is directed by Lionel Jeffries. Interestingly,
0: also, Lionel, a name of a train company, I believe, oh. makes toys. Lionel, Lionel trains. So.
3: I want to round out the cast before we talk about that opening scene right. that you were mentioning. Um, so, yeah. Tell, so, Sally Thompson, we got that. Phyllis. Gary Warren is Peter. Um, Dinah Sheridan is their mother, Mrs. Waterbury. Bernard Cribbins as Albert Perks. He's the, still alive. Still alive. Um William Mervyn as old gentleman. Mm. We know. We, oh, I. We know that. By the way,
0: sounded very much like Emperor Palpatine.
3: <laughs> Might, have been. Might have been a pseudonym. <laughs> uh, Ian Cuthbertson
0: as their father. And uh, wait, was Ian Cuthbertson the um, the ghost of Christmas Present in Scrooge? I don't remember. <laughs> as I know that that name does sound familiar. I think maybe.
3: Maybe. Yes. We'll just say yes. Okay. Or, or that might have been my impression of uh... Daniel Bryan. No, no, Who's <laughs> that that guy who like bit people on the butt? Sportscaster, uh, Marv Albert. There we go. Oh
1: yes,
0: yeah,
3: yes, Marv Albert. Sometimes when I bite them on the anus, I get a huge
0: erection. Yes. Uh, yeah. That's a, that's one of those stories. I gotta look into that because I always wondered, like. Was that... Were we were we discussing with the story because of his perversions? Or were we discussing the stories because something dark happened? Like, I don't know. Was there a sexual assault, perhaps?
3: I think it was consensual, as far as I know. But don't quote me on yeah. that, because if it wasn't, I don't want to be a monster. Because, yeah, if,
0: if it was just a question of his weirdness, it's like, who, who the fuck are we to judge in 2021? How somebody lives their sexual life? I mean, life? It, didn't, it didn't destroy his career, so whatever. Is he still on TV? No, oh, he was for a while after that, yeah, I think. that's true. Anyway, fuck. We're but, not talking about
3: Marvel. So we're... talk about what happens... At, so, so everyone's living the idyllic life. Yes, it's wonderful. Then, it's
0: perfect. It's it's the perfect Edwardian existence.
3: But then a train explodes. A train explodes. Their toy train explodes. Yeah, and, and then that then, that's what signals it. The dog takes off, and as we, as the narrator tells us, we never see them again. Yeah, the dog just fucking takes off and becomes goblet. the littlest hobo. Maybe
0: tomorrow I'll wanna settle down.
3: Until tomorrow, I'm just running from exploding trains. As you do,
0: yeah. yeah. a smart dog. No, so the train explodes, and that's when everything changed. Things starts to go bad uh and uh, at their christmas dinner two shadowy gentlemen show up to the house to speak to the father and they hear yelling but not in uh, you know distinct things and they find out that their daddy has to leave with these gentlemen
3: yeah and and this is like this right away um kind of establishes that we are the children we are taking their point of view because we don't know anything outside of what they know
0: well i had their point of view except for the fact i didn't know what he did for a living (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they knew yeah what he did for a living but i just mean like in terms of how they frame this scene like let's just take a listen to the whole like arrest that yeah. happened well i spoiled it but it's an arrest it's an arrest as we find out later but i didn't know i, I was like are these mobsters like what's going on that's what i thought
0: because he because the guy says like i don't uh, i don't i don't like doing a job like this on christmas
3: yeah and we don't and i thought they were just gonna get robbed yeah so or, that's or murdered yeah oh my god can you imagine yeah <laughs> That's when our whole family was murdered. <laughs> Guess what? The rest of the movie were ghosts.
0: <laughs> hey everybody, I'm in this movie now. And then like oh no <laughs> yes, I, want, I need a movie to get into this I'm gonna be in this movie as a producer. I'm
3: gonna I'm gonna go through a woman's panties on the bus
0: mm. no, get out of here you. go back to where you're supposed to be. Which okay. is prison, I'm pretty sure. Back to hell I go. You're not dead yet. Go back to prison. All right. I'm enjoying yeah, prison. We <laughs> hate out of here. Hey, no. we, we hate hearing you say that. Stop saying you like prison. I really like your work, but your later work is maybe the problem. <laughs> Let's listen to the clip. All right. What a wreck. <laughs> is there any hope?
1: Hope? Of course it'll want hope. <laughs> and a new valve. I tell you what, I'll give up Saturday afternoon to it. What? Yes, and you can help me. I ain't doing a job like this, especially at Christmas. Yeah. Who on that? An Englishman's house is his castle, but I do not wish they'd build them with moats and drawbridges, eh? <laughs> Come in. Yes?
2: Please, sir, there are two gentlemen wish to see you. I showed them into the study, sir. I hope that was all right. Excuse me. Then if we
3: didn't
2: want anyone to... I've never heard of anyone. Where? Who? Mm-hmm. Why is daddy shouting? I don't know, dear. Come in. Yes, Ruth. What is it? Please, ma'am. The master wants you to just step into the study.
3: Yeah, so what I think is uh, interesting there, like I said, it's the POV of the kids because we just hear kind of muffled uh yelling behind the door we see the kids like kind of sneaking around we don't really know what's happening we mm. kind of see the world at least through bobby's eyes bobby the lead yes like jenny Agutter, who is the older sister but again played by a younger actress yes. than the 11 year old <laughs> i think they get that yeah i just I, I can't i can't reiterate that enough yes um but yeah so that that's what happens so we find out that he does get arrested and because of this um just like uh I mean, like in Sense of Sensibility, not in the sense where he gets arrested, but in the sense where the father leaves the film through death or otherwise, (laughs) Uh, they have to move to Yorkshire. And like you said, they they
0: always go to Yorkshire. It must be cheap land in Yorkshire. Now, I feel like Yorkshire people are very nice and it would be a great place to live, but they just want to go and get a Kestrel. That's right. Yeah. But they do, and J-
3: Jason, and I realize we just played a clip, but I would be remiss if I didn't play this, because they go to Yorkshire, and they get, like, a guide to go to Yorkshire, and I just had to play this,
0: because I think it's so... I forgot about this guy. He stood out so much, and then it was like, oh, what's his deal? And then we never see him again. He's just like, <laughs> he's basically a cartoon character yeah. in the middle of this movie. It's like so, I feel like something from, like, a Mel Brooks movie or something, to some extent. Like, there would definitely be a character like that.
3: So, so much so, Jason, that like when this character came up, I thought, okay, this is the tone for the rest of the movie. Like You'll hear in this clip the tone, a very distinct tone, and I said, okay, this is the movie, yeah. but I was completely wrong. No.
2: <laughs> Excuse me, we want to go to the house on the hill, the three chimneys. Uh, do you know the way? I dare say. Well, Will you show us? I dare say. I'll... Is you all right? Yes. Can't we put just one box on your cart? You asked me to show you the way. Nothing was said about boxes. Never mind, darlings. It's only a few more yards. I wonder why she didn't leave the lights on. Who's she? Mrs. Viney, the woman I engaged to clean the place and to get the supper. I Mrs. Viney's gone home. Your train was late, see? But she's got the key. What do we do? You should have left that under the doorstep. We all do hereabouts. Well, you might have said so. You never asked, did you? Nothing was said about a door key. May I borrow your lamp, please? I dare say. If you say, I dare say, once more, I shall have hysterics. I dare say. It's a fun. It's a yeah. fun
3: little scene. But again, like, uh, yeah, it kind of, it kind of goes from being kind of absurd. Actually, yeah. up to that point, there's a lot of like, there's a few absurdist kind of moments with the, you know, the 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 maid that they pour a bucket of water on yeah. and everything, um, and get her fired. Yeah, by the well,
0: way. <laughs> well, but that's the thing. But let's talk about that briefly. Okay, that, that scene where the maid comes in and the water gets dumped in her, dumped on her. Um, oh it's a different ooh. movie yeah that. no absolutely uh so yeah the water gets dumped her and she obviously is pissed off by this and the kids back up into the corner and she's coming up to them and it's such a cartoonish like scene that that my modern comedy mind was like she's gonna like like because it, it, it was so over dramatic and whatever she like raises her hand and the music swells and and they're like backing into the corner and i thought it was gonna be something where she's gonna be like oh that's all right masters like like to yeah. totally you know, the, no, me too, 100%. Yeah. I thought she was going to raise her hand up in the air and then just start slapping her knee and be like, oh, what a good show. Yeah, but instead, she actually fucking slaps him. <laughs> <laughs> and then immediately gets fired because mama don't play that. And, and I'm sure this was
3: not the intention of the film. Maybe. But like in a modern film, that would also be a joke. Because the joke would be like you would be expecting her to do the yeah, fake out. Yeah, you do some
0: fake out. And then but Ashley then she just them, yeah.
3: smacks them. And it's like that would be funny. But in this movie, I don't know if they were it, that meta. It
0: felt more shocking. Just because yeah. the the tone was so comedic in the lead up to it. And then she hits this little boy.
3: <laughs> Who probably <laughs> didn't set it up for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> Probably the two girls. But yeah, anyway, so there's that scene. There's that. There's little moments in the first. And maybe this is an intentional way to kind of lure you into this world and then be like, and then take it away. It's just kind of like, no, now it's kind of stripped away from the movie. Now you're kind of, I'm not saying this is like a gritty movie by any stretch of the imagination.
0: No, this movie's quite positive because, you know, for being poor, they do pretty well. They do pretty
3: well. Um, but I mean, it is a bit of a dire start because we, we can see that they, uh, the mother gets sick right away. And of course my movie watching brain, I'm like, she's going to die.
0: It's 1905. It's a British movie. She's sick. It's a mother. It's a family film. Yeah. She's going to fucking die. She's going to
3: die. And they're going to go live with the fucking train. They're going to go live on the railway. They're going to be
0: hopping from train to
3: train. The railway children, just
0: three little homeless children solving mysteries and occasionally getting a, a bite to eat from Mr. Perk who takes pity on them. Mr. Perks the tr- Mr. Doctor. Perks Mr. Perks, perks? yeah
3: yeah cuz you know there's perks to getting to know Mr. Perks saying
0: yeah well let's m- mention him briefly he is the uh, Well we should before
3: we do that just want to say this movie is uh, the, the plot is very loose yeah it's essentially these kids living in the, Yorkshire yeah, it, and kind of their experiences and and with other people
0: Apparently, this this movie is quite close to the novel. The screenwriter, I guess, was was very... The director, uh, Lionel, was insistent on kind of just keeping the tone of the book. And so the way it kind of plays out is in a series of almost vignettes.
3: Basically. In the sense that
0: we see these little mini stories of their life. And the first first one being... um, What was the first one? Like getting no, Mr. Perks maybe?
3: Well, I mean, the the first thing they do is kind of go watch the trains go by and they're waving at this old gentleman. Yeah,
0: right. So the first story is is, they get there and then the first story is the mom gets sick. So they want to help her. Doctor comes by, recommends like a list of stuff that they should have to keep her happy, including Brandy of course yeah of course Um, but they can't afford it because they don't have any money so they flag down the train and give a note to the the rich guy who's sitting in the back that's been waving at them that they need some help and of course he's a good old rich man so he sends them a hamper of shit like a whole hamper full of uh uh, stuff and can we listen to the mom's reaction to that yes now this this is i related to this so much because this is kind of how i was raised and the attitude that i've had my whole life and many people of lower means that i know where the, the, there's a certain pride and this is very prevalent i believe in british culture too mm-hmm. when you're poor the idea of taking any charity is, is absolutely just out, out of your mind you, you you can't bear that the the hit to your pride that that would take so exactly
2: it's quite true that we're poor but we shall have enough to live on just so long as i have ideas for stories but you mustn't go about telling people of our affairs. It isn't right. And you must never, never, never ask strangers to give you things. Always remember that. Yes, sir. I shall write to your old gentleman. I shall tell him that I didn't approve. Well, I shall thank him, too, of course, for his kindness. But it's you that I don't approve of, not the old gentleman. He's been extremely kind. You can give my letter to your Mr. Pax to give to him. And you won't say any more about it. Isn't she marvelous
0: when she's angry? There's some real funny lines in this movie, and that's one of them, just where it feels like a really modern like kind of thing, where the kid's just like, oh, she's marvelous when she's angry. You know what? I... Got? When I heard that line, though, I was
3: like, "He's into her. He's into his
0: mom. <laughs> He's oh into no. his mom
3: a little bit." It just the, the delivery was what got yeah. me. I know it's not intentional, but you know.
0: But I think that's that's also kind of comes through with this. There's a positivity to this movie. Like, there's no tension really between the kids and their mom. Like, they all no. love each other. They're nice to each other. We, I would assume that they must fight, but we never see it. That felt fresh,
3: yeah. a little bit. That there was nothing like she wasn't like a tyrant. Yeah, even we get a kind of a tyrant character. Like we mentioned the, the maid that the made the water dumped on her head yeah. and immediately as soon as that happened the mom is like you're fired yeah like because she slapped her boy around right yeah it just, it's, it's, it's like in like small faces
0: and... when mom steps in front of the brother that's gonna fucking stab them you know yeah. she's a mama bear kind of mom exactly doesn't take shit yeah no favoritism or anything the mom no. loves all of them
3: um but yeah, so she has a certain pride, and like yeah. you said, it's a certain pride you have when you don't want people to get the sense that you're like I don't want people to think that I can't afford this or can't do this, or you
0: don't want people to think that you're taking advantage of their generosity. Right. Right. Exactly. And that's that's the biggest thing is you don't want to be seen as some sort of a leech or or you know sucker of blood uh, that isn't a leech, but still sucks blood.
3: Makes a lot more sense why Robin Leech is his name. Oh God, that guy. Ooh.
0: And I don't know why. (laughs) I'll come to your house and I'll drain all your energy and life (laughs) because you're not rich like all the people that I respect. Jason, he had a paycheck for a while. I just want—he had a lot. He had a lot of paychecks. (laughs) He was doing real well
3: okay so yeah that's like the first story basically the first vignette and she's very she's kind of upset about it but i mean i think ultimately she does take it but she's like you know don't do this again don't go to that that old that, whoever it is i don't want you going to him i i don't want you to go ask him for anything
0: else because we have to remember they're not completely without means mom is writing stories i don't know that it's she ever is. expanded upon but we have to remember that back in 1905 that was a world where there were a lot of like literary magazines where you could publish stories uh and that you know it was like through the early 20th century before you know tv and stuff like that was how people got like their kind of pulp entertainment Uh, what
3: what i think is interesting about that whole storyline too is that later on in the in the movie um they save a they save a young man because yes. the young man trips uh, – well, they're doing, they're doing a paper chase. Which a young I man, never by knew, the way. I never knew what that was, by the way. Me neither. I looked
0: it up I, – I, I mean, I figured out from context what it was, and then I looked it up and was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'd never heard of that before. By the way, this young kid kind of reminds me of uh, the young guy on The Expanse that's the, uh, the oh, Tom Jane's little uh, buddy. He kind of reminded me of Gregory from Gregory's Girl. Oh, a little more swarthy, though. yeah.
3: But yeah, so I guess a paper chase, just to explain it, is you're just kind of dropping little pieces of paper and people are chasing you.
0: Uh, In an urban environment, apparently, based on what I read on Wikipedia, it says that you would use chalk and like mark like corners and things as you go by, Uh, which is a little different because the part of the thing about the paper chase using the paper is that it's kind of, because it's supposed to represent, because the the person dropping the paper is supposed to represent a hare and you're hunting the hare. And so you drop the paper, but the idea is that dropping the paper, the wind can blow it away. So it's like scent. Mm -hmm. So you're trying to keep the scent, but sometimes the scent gets blown away and you can fuck over your run. (laughs) So when that whole thing happens, um,
3: this very clumsy boy falls on the train tracks and nearly gets hit by a train. Yes. Um, But then they kind of like nurse him back to health. So the connection I was going to make to the thing earlier with the whole story... So you were mm. talking about how she ra- writes stories. Because no. remember at this point we find out that the old man they've been waving to on the train is this injured guy's grandfather? Yes.
0: This old man, which we never know his name. No, we but never it's know it's clear his name. he's some rich mucky muck.
3: Yeah. And he's credited as old man. Yeah. Um, but he tells the mother... Um, you know, you're going to, you can basically care for my grand grandson until he's better at my hospital. the only patient at the hospital is him. And you're the only nurse basically just saying, I'm going to pay you to yeah. look after him. it's an excuse
0: that I can give you money. So you don't uh, have your pride hurt.
3: Right. Um, but then she says something about, and then he says something about like, you know, maybe you could become a nurse and then you won't even have to write. And they have that. Uh, it's a very, it's kind of a progressive moment though, because she says, well, I really like to write. Like I want to continue. And then, he,
0: then he goes, well, we'll see yeah (laughs) like a threat (laughs) we'll see we'll see
3: how you feel yeah
0: maybe maybe being a nurse is more fulfilling but
3: but she does but i like how she says like no i don't do it because i need to i mean i do need to but i also enjoy it yeah and i have agency
0: that's right you're your own damn person mom
3: i'm every woman i also like how when that when that kid finally gets does get nursed back to health and he's on the train and bobby has like a kind of a moment with him like she holds to, like holds his hand as he leaves uh phyllis says something along the lines of like oh now they've got to get married yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> like you know what In a british movie in 1970 probably and back in 1905 it'd be more likely that that would be a thing that yes oh look they're holding hands they should be together
3: i do like that they don't fully go with that with that romance angle though because i was like oh really come on
0: that's the thing it wouldn't really do this movie good like i said this movie's kind of a family film and and doesn't really need a romance angle i would say It
3: is. And did you know also that the director was like, he basically read it and said, my personality is so different from the quiet romance of this story. But he said, he just, he just wanted to do something. He said that at the time in 1970, there were hardly any movies made for everyone. He wanted to do something that was like children, you know, adults, older adults. He just wanted to make something that would appeal to everyone. And he said, uh, he said, he thinks he thought this could be the one. He bought the option on this movie for 300 pounds. Wow. And he wrote a screenplay. Um, And like you said, he stayed very close to it. Uh, He basically said, like, I guess he was so young at the time and green that he said, I know there was was probably bets among the technical staff as to how long I was going to last as a director. (laughs) He took a big calculated risk because 1970, the turn of 1970, things are getting more... Like nothing's really quaint anymore no. in, in the industry. Like we, the, the the movies that are like more quaint, like this, and the Go Between, still kind of have an edge to them. Like mm. the Go Between has a little bit of a sinister edge to yeah. it.
0: Yeah, well, because it's two people having, uh, you know, uh, illicit relations and a death at the end of the movie. Yeah.
3: Right? Yeah. I mean, like Al- Alan Bates, is it Alan Alan Bates? Bates? I think it's Alan Bates. In Love? We don't do research here. I believe it is Alan Bates in the movie. Anyway, thought that was interesting that the director basically took on something he wasn't completely comfortable doing, but he thought it would be fun. Well, it probably made him a better filmmaker in the process, I'd say. He said he wanted to make it as close to a Victorian documentary as possible. Um, again, guys, I know you're like, well, they're just kind of jumping around, but that's kind of what this movie is. Yeah. It just kind of jumps around. To different yeah. Vignettes. I wouldn't
0: say there's an overall plot The real well, the, the overall plot is kind of the fate of the father and the fact that they're in the country and they're waiting for some resolution on him because the kids don't know what happened. They, the mom has not told them the specifics and
3: because mom has not told them, mom has not told us watching yeah. the movie, which again, I think is really, that's, yeah. that's cool that it's like that because.
0: This movie is clearly from Roberta's perspective, so we're getting it from her. Because when we find out, we find out through her.
3: And you can imagine watching this movie as a kid in 1970. I mean, people back then had more attention span, so I think I don't think this was. I think they were able to watch this okay. Mm. Um, But like, imagine watching this as a kid in 1970. You don't know either. Like, Mm. if if the kid doesn't know watching the movie, then we shouldn't know. Yeah. Like it's it's it really is for
0: everyone. Yeah. Exactly.
3: And, and, but there's it's a four some, quadrant movie, Jason.
0: Some deep, uh, some deep history references in there.
3: Jason, I wanted to talk about this particular part with you quite a bit because I know you're a history guy. Sure. Um, there is a whole scene here where they find a very upset or confused Russian man yeah. uh, by the train one day. Mm-hmm. And the train is kind of the train station is kind of where everything kind of comes together. Like everyone kind of meets at the train station. That's, it's the, that's center the center of the center. town,
0: and Mr. Perks is the beating heart of and that.
3: again, we will get to Mr. Perks. So <laughs> we're not going to leave that out because he's one of the most interesting characters. Yeah. But um, they meet this Russian guy yeah. who's kind of confused and bewildered, and they find and they figure out basically that he speaks French. So yes. they're like, oh, our mother can speak French. Maybe we can find out, you know, what's going on. But. So this is 1905, mm. and we learn from the mother that he is an exiled writer mm-hmm. in Russia. Yes. Because he wrote some not-so-nice things about the government. Let's listen to, actually, let's just listen to the thing that she tells her kids about who this guy is.
0: Yeah.
3: And um, nope, nope. and we're not going to open Google no, Chrome. we're not going
0: to go Chrome. We're not going to go to FARC. Do tell us about the Russian. I
2: can't make a long story of it, darling, because I'm very tired. He's a very clever writer. But in Russia, one dare not say anything about the rich people doing wrong or, or what ought to be done by the poor. If one does, one is sent to prison. Well, he wrote a book about it all. And he was three years in a dungeon. No light, damp and dreadful. Then they took him out and they sent him to Siberia and he was condemned to stay there for life. For life? For writing a book? That's stupid. Go on, Mama. While he was at the mines, Some friends got a message to him to say that his wife and children had escaped to England. And so after many adventures, he too escaped and came here to look for them. Do you think he will find them? Oh, I do hope so. I think, my darlings, in your prayers, you might ask God to show his pity upon all prisoners and captives. To show his pity upon all prisoners and captives? Yes, darling. All All right. So the first
0: thing I got to say, so when this Russian writer first shows up on the train, he kind of collapses. They bring him in. They realize they're trying to figure out what he's speaking and they figure out he can speak French. Right. So she so she knows enough French, Roberta, that she tells him that wait for mother. Mother speaks great French. She'll be able to talk to you and figure out what happened. And so they take him inside or whatever. They wait for the train to show up and mom comes in. <laughs> and so they've been going on about like, mom, mom's this great French speaker. She'll be able to help you out. Like, like, don't worry. She speaks French beautifully. And they sell, they like get this all amped up. And she comes in and the only thing she says to him in French for the entire movie is the equivalent of like, who are you? <laughs> and then he explains she's like, Oh, he's a Russian writer, and that's it. <laughs> I think they have a lo- a bigger conversation off screen though. Oh sure, certainly, but like on screen, yeah. It's just like she literally says three words to him. Um Well
3: that's Dinah Sheridan being like, I can't speak French.
0: So a little bit of history, I guess. Well, because th- so this takes place in nineteen oh five. In nineteen oh five, Russia, which was at that point uh uh czarist, uh, Nic- Is uh, this around the same time as like the Jivago stuff? Uh, no, that's later. Uh, this 1905 Zhivago stuff would be like 1917, 1918 when the Oh, Revolution okay, had. okay. Gotcha, so this gotcha. is pre-communist Russia. 1905 was the year of the Ru- uh, Russo-Japanese War. Mince-Russo the vince, vince russo japanese war vince russo in 1905 took on all of japan and they wouldn't put up with this bullshit so <laughs> he, he had like, to go dormant for a while i'm not putting you on nitro bro you, bro bro you can't be taking these russian islands bro it's not for you now i got a better idea what if you had sex with a dead person or oh, you put you put freaking russia on
3: a pole bro Russia on a pole. You can't go wrong with Russia on a pole. Nobody will expect
0: it, bro. Hey, the tag team champions are going to be Buff Bagwell, Vladimir Putin's mother. (laughs) But yeah, the Russo-Russian Japanese war in 1905 was a territorial war. You know, both countries had imperialist ambitions at the time. And I think Russia wanted a warm water port. And the Japanese were like, hey, no. And so they fought a war over a year or two. So that was the main like political thrust at the time. So that becomes interesting when we figure into um, uh, the father who is accused. We learn being a spy of being a spy and selling secrets. Uh, now this is Britain. Britain's not involved in the Russo-Japanese War, but you have to understand Europe in 1905 in this Edwardian area. This was in the you know this was about nine years before World War One. So this was when Europe was essentially a tinderbox. Uh, you had all these different competing dynasties, and I know we've talked about this shit before, but just to refresh, you had all these competing different monarchies that were uh, shifting alliances and whatnot, and that actually that's a good reason why this Russian guy speaks French is because in those days, Russia and France, because Germany at some point in the 1800s had abandoned their alliance with Russia, uh, Russia had kind of become friendly with France, and it became a thing in aristocratic Russia that if you were an upper-class person, you spoke French in addition to speaking Russian. Um, so that's why he speaks French, because he's probably from that class. Um, so what so, would he
3: have been attacking, like like escaping from?
0: Uh, well, Tsarist Russia, much like later communist Russia, wasn't real big on criticizing the government in any way. Now, this writer in this movie is not a real guy, but no. uh, the writer of the novel apparently was friends with a couple of Russian writers that uh, had been exiled for various reasons, similarly, and sort of made a composite of them, in this book but like I, i'm i'm more like because the thing when i was watching it i was thinking of like uh, alexander solzhenitsyn or uh boris um yeltsin not Karlov or yeltsin
3: <laughs> uh, oh, you're anticipating uh, boris my, pasternak you're that's an, it. you're anticipating my joke names now <laughs> isn't
0: boris pasternak then the author of dr shivago Maybe, yeah, it might be. But yeah, guys like that that wrote books that were like not cool in Russia, but the, but clearly in Tsarist Russia, it was similar. Uh, and in a lot of monarchies, the idea of criticizing the monarchy, come on, that's bullshit. Um, so yeah, you've got a really interesting time here. And so for him to be accused of selling secrets in this era, like to the Germans or to whoever, that's a big deal. And there might be some root, there, there's some thought that there might be some root in this. Have you ever heard of something, Brendan, called the Dreyfus Affair? Richard? Nope. No, I haven't. Uh, So Dreyfus, Alfred Dreyfus was a French officer in like the 1800s. But (laughs) to his detriment uh, in France, he was also a Jew. And he was accused of selling secrets to the enemy, uh, to being a traitor. And there was this whole like big public show trial. There was a huge rise in anti-Semitism in Europe. They assumed that he had done this because he was Jewish. Um, and, you know, obviously because Jews had some plan to take over the world and it was a big, big media thing. And he eventually was acquitted because there was no evidence that he had done this. And surprisingly, the man continued to serve in the French military, I think even through World War One. Uh, that's loyalty to your country that they, you get stuck in that kind of fucking bullshit. But anyway, so the idea that he was accused of something he didn't do because of who he was, I don't know if this dude's supposed to be Jewish. I don't think so. Uh, but he's clearly accused of something he didn't do and there has to be strings pulled and, and maneuvering done by rich old men to fix the problem.
3: Well, yeah. Cause they managed to track down his family. That's what he wants to do. Right. He wants to find his family because th- we, we learned that they left first. Mm. Uh, they escaped cause he told them to get out, to get out uh get out of my house no not like that but he told them to to get out while they can while they can and that he would follow and then he managed to escape but now you know he like where he is no one speaks french really except the mother who knows those three words yeah and uh <laughs> and yeah he's just trying to find his family and then they kind of and they do right because yeah, the old cause man he's that he's they a talk- prominent
0: he's a prominent writer clearly he's somebody that's known by the upper classes and the sorts of people that would know about writers so that when they get in touch with the old man he knows who he is
3: Okay, so that that makes it a little bit easier for me to digest, because at first I was like, "Mm." (laughs) hmm, like it just seemed like a really big convenience that the old man on the train is like, well, I'm rich, so I clearly have the world's first phone book, so uh, I have found your entire family, but that makes more sense.
0: That's the thing about the West, is that we have a much freer press here, so those books did get like smuggled out and published, and so the the sorts of people that would read those books knew who he was, so it makes sense that an old rich guy would be able to help him out and maybe... uh, find his family for him
3: so i think that's a really kind of interesting uh vignette mm-hmm. um I, and I i'm glad you explained history because
0: now i know exactly what's going on that's why we uh pay you that's right that's why i love talking about history on this podcast <laughs> actually that was funny my, my friend is listening to this for the first time and his thing was like you said to me you really like talking about history on this i'm like yes i do and that was the first episode he's listening to, oh, just wait till he gets to Zulu and bridge on the river quad man, we have lots of fun in those we we dig deep into the history of it dig deep just
3: like this one i'm I'm,
0: I'm like Dan Carlin, except I got no credibility
3: deep into the railway
0: <laughs> um okay, and then the other vignette, of course, is Mr. perks Mr. Perks let's talk about this man he's wonderful he's the uh I don't know, like a railway manager or something. Like he's clearly he not everything. the head guy. He does everything. and But he makes reference to like a head guy, like a real railway manager who at some point uh, gets drunk at a pool hall and breaks his legs. So he has to take over.
3: He's like that guy that like the boss. The unseen boss. The unseen boss looks good. Well, no, I'm saying like the boss, the actual boss yeah. looks good because Perks does all the work.
0: Yeah, exactly. He's clearly hardcore into his job. He makes sure, you know, he keeps those trains on time. He's a modern day Mussolini. Well, actually, pre Mussolini. Although Mussolini would have been alive in 1905. That was back when Mussolini was still a socialist, I imagine.
3: I, I don't. I don't believe Perks is a, is, a, is a bad man like Benito Mussolini.
0: <laughs> Certainly not. And I hope he was not hanged in the same way. Not in the same way. <laughs> uh,
3: but it was. It, you know, it was similar. We'll get into it on. We'll get into it next week. But he's
0: like a classic British archetype. He's a prideful man. He loves his job. He, he does his best for his family and um, uh, doesn't like charity. You know, he, he wants to earn his way.
3: Yeah, exactly. That's the type of character he is. Um, he So played by Bernard Cribbins. Mm-hmm. That's the actor's name. Uh, he also is a guy, like you said, he's a prideful guy, but he's also a guy that like, if he does something for someone else, he doesn't want them to feel like it's charity No, either. absolutely.
0: Absolutely. That's the thing is that uh, that's the thing about these sorts of lower class people and and coming from that it's you know you want to help everybody you can but the idea of you getting help is is hard to swallow i'm I'm thinking
3: specifically of the scene where he goes to visit the children and he's like yeah i found all these old magazines like you know they're whatever they were collecting dust i don't want them take them like
0: exactly you want to you you know you don't want to make it seem like you're like being charitable but it's more just like oh i, at least I thought you might like them just they were gonna throw them out anyways why don't you take yes. them off my hands you, you guys you kids like your magazines yeah, yeah you like pictures and stuff yeah there's probably some nude women in there oh there's some african
3: titties in there oh wow we just wow. gave them a pile of national geographics yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so i i think i think um He's a really interesting character. I do. Yeah. Th- I do think. Well,
0: because he really likes those kids, and he and he tolerates their hanging around the radio station and uh, radio station. Radio station? <laughs> it's Mr. Perks here on K one hundred and three FM. Choo choo, choo 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 choo
3: Hit. Wait. Rolling in with the hits. Next
0: stop, Prince. Are you done? Choo 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 at the train station they (laughs) hang around and he's happy to have them there they don't cause no trouble they don't cause no mind even though they're like holding up banners at the trains and getting them to stop at the station you know uh, he doesn't seem to mind that although he is he does seem to always be in a rush he always seems like he has to be somewhere else yeah and and that's the nature of the job with the trains you want the trains run on time you got to be on the ball like he's literally changing the tracks seconds before yeah. they arrive to make sure there's no crashes yeah yeah exactly closing the gates and fl- pushing the tracks so the train can blast through and, and then it. he's
3: delivering mail jason
0: he's yeah. also delivering packages he's doing everything i think he's the only employee over there pretty <laughs> much it seems
3: i remember seeing one other person but i'm sure that guy does jack
0: shit yeah he just his hangs out. around he hangs out and drinks in the break room with the doctor <laughs> <laughs> the doctor by the way i forget what his name is but he has the most wonderful chops Beautiful chops. Chops I wish I could have had when I was in high school. But well, too fucking late now, bitch. it It is, it is too late. Uh, and he also he's a uh, i love that w- at one point when the mother's sick they go to fetch the doctor for the first time and he's like laying on his lawn drinking out of a flask yeah he's just flat out on the lawn no i'll bring the drunk doctor down and help my mom i mean what
3: else is the doctor going to do in that tiny of a town
0: that's true you know you only have so much work in the run of a day i suppose <laughs> uh can't someone just get cancer although interestingly Can he's, he's he's quite cutting edge where he has a a sort of a club where the locals are part of so i assume it's sort of an insurance type arrangement where they all pay in and then you know you get treated and don't have to pay extra because you've been paying into it uh which is pretty cool i Maybe. mean that's you know th- at that time that was the sort of thing where if you wanted medical help you had to pay for it <laughs> so speaking of perks he back to
3: perks for a second he is a character who he also mentions in one scene that he, they, they talk about like his birthday because mm. they really want to give back because he's been so nice yeah. to them. He they love the guy. He delivered that package from the old man. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's given them these magazines, which I actually I think that's later. But anyway, he's been so nice to them and courteous to them. And they're like, they really want to give back. And they asked him when his birthday is. And he basically finally breaks down and says... You know, I'll be 42 on the
0: 15th of the month. He's 40, He's five years older than me. Now, I'm not saying I'm like the, the greatest looking person that ever lived, but I feel like I don't look nearly as old as this guy. I don't think you look as old as you are, Jason. Thank you. You're welcome. I appreciate that. It's Pretty good for smoking for 15 years or whatever it was. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs>
3: I figured you to be like around my age or a little younger. Yeah, that's right.
0: Damn it. 37, baby. Yeah. Including you. What? Including you. <laughs> wait, so we are b- <laughs> wait. So are we 13 and 14? Yes, or, we are
3: 13 or, and 14 years no, old. No, that's 27. Our math is terrible. Yeah. We're little children doing this podcast. We are... 18. Sure. You're 19, I'm 18. That's right. We're adults. <laughs> I buy you beer. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty sick. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> don't say that on the air. <laughs> but anyway, where were we going with that? I don't know. Um, uh, perks, perks, yes. So they finally decide, like, they want to give him something. And what they do is they go around, the the kids go around the entire neighborhood, and what's funny is while they're doing this, some people are like, I don't want to give him a present. Yeah, there's one guy that literally says, he's like, "Perks, no, I hate him. (laughs) Which I'm like, what? (laughs) Why? Why do you hate him? What did he do to you, bud? It's it's a funny little detail, but, like, they go around and they get, like, presents from everyone, and they drop it off at Perks' house. And I do want to just play his reaction to this because it reminds me a lot of the mother.
1: I've got an all right all these years, and no fair was asked. I'm not going to begin these sort of charity goings on at my time of life, and don't you think it, now?
2: Oh, shush, Bert. Shut your silly tongue, for goodness sake. The all three of them in the other room are listening to every word you speak.
1: Right, I'll give them something to listen to. Support me mind to these or i I'll do it again. Come out. Come on, out. Out here, come on. No, not you lot. You stop in there. Sophie, look, put some pants on, Benjamin. We've got company. Right, you can tell me what you mean by it. Have I ever complained to you of being short as you start this charity with me?
2: We thought you'd be so pleased, Mr Perks. I'll never try and be kind to anyone else as long as I live. No, I won't. Not never. Didn't mean any harm.
1: It isn't what you mean so much as what you does.
2: We thought you'd love it. We always have things on our birthdays.
1: Oh, I from your own relations. That's different.
2: No, not just our relations. They're from all sorts of people in the village.
1: And who put them up to it, I'd like to know. He did. So you've been going round, telling the neighbors that we can't make both ends meet. Well, now you've disgraced us as deep as you can in the neighborhood. You can just take that old pack of tricks back where it came from. I'm very much obliged, I'm sure. I don't doubt but what you meant it kind, but... I'd rather not be acquainted with you any longer it's all the same to you. Look here.
2: We'll go if you like. And you needn't be friends with us any more if you don't want to. But we'll always be friends with you, even though you're nasty to us. But before we go, do let us show you these labels that we brought to put on the things.
1: I don't want to see no labels except proper luggage labels in my whole walk of life.
2: Please let Bobby show you the labels.
0: All right, go on. So what we find after that is that they go through the labels and explain the nature of what these are. And these are gifts. These are not charity.
3: Yeah, That's this is not
0: just them giving him stuff. No, it's, it's from people that clearly like and respect perks. And, yeah. And, and they say as much on these labels. And eventually he realizes that, oh, no, this is because they like me. This is because they respect me. It's not because they, they think I'm a needy.
3: No, and that does turn him around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I just think that scene con- uh, with the mother scene earlier is like, it's symmetry, right? Yeah. They both feel pretty much the same way about that kind of thing. It's that, that again, that deep pride you have. To which I almost expected, like, I don't know, for some reason I thought in this movie it would have been interesting if they made Perks like a widower. Hmm. And maybe the father got sent off and he's like never coming back. Hmm. And you don't go for like the full romance between the mother and Perks, but it would have been interesting to have that connection.
0: Oh, I like you. Why don't you come back to my house? I'll, so I'll put the kids in the in the cupboard.
3: Yep. <laughs> Your you, you, you old man ain't never coming back. He's going to he's going to r- Russia? What am I doing? <laughs> he's going
0: to Russia he is. He's going to write a book and get exiled. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> it's going full
3: circle. Um also the interesting thing about Perks is he's played by Bernard Cribbins, but uh um Lionel Jeffries was actually going to play the role himself at oh, first. interesting! But then he had this, this guy, Bernard Cribbins, audition, and he was like, I can't possibly play the role yeah. with this man right here. You saw the
0: guy that is right for it, and he, it was he was right for
3: yeah, it. Yeah, he said he loved his, uh, his lovely, calm comedy.
1: Hmm.
3: Um, also, a little note, too, Jason, at the time of filming this, there were very few heritage railways in Britain where mm. they could actually film uh, oh. in. And they could only have one tunnel. Uh, they only had one tunnel provided. Uh, which of course plays into a number of scenes. Uh, the tunnel is actually a lot shorter than it, it shows in the movie, so yeah. they had to cheat it. So obviously, there's a lot of scenes where they cut to the front and cut to the back, and you because
0: it seems very long in the movie. The, yeah. Because the, the, the idea that they can't see the kid when he's down in there, Jim or whatever his name is.
3: They basically made these like canvas covers to make the tunnel extended ah. as well. Um, but I think that was inter- That that's interesting that they didn't actually have that many tunnels. They're like, oh, how are we going to film this? They also have a uh, a little thing at the uh, at the start of the credit sequence. I guess someone can be heard saying "Thank you, Mr. Forbes," mm. and that was literally just acknowledging the producer Brian Forbes yeah. who put the movie together. Thanks, Brian. Um, I also want to mention that this the the novel was adapted for radio before this in 1943. Mm. Uh, it was on TV in 1951 um it was adapted again in 1957 and then in 1968 it was adapted into a seven-part series hmm. and jenny Agutter was is in that part hmm. was so she was in that and the movie um and actually lionel Jeffries, interesting the first time he read the book was while he was filming a movie you definitely have heard of if not seen chitty chitty bang bang
0: i've not seen it but i certainly but you know of it. it oh yeah, yeah of course okay. uh, dick van dyke
3: i mean i've seen it so long ago that i might as well not have seen it like yeah. Um, but then, yeah, so in, and Lionel Jeffries was in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Oh. So he was in, he was an actor and he didn't make the movie, but he was in it. Cool. So I guess the other big thing I want to ask you about is the ending. Mm. Because I mean, like we said, it is a series of vignette, vignettes. Uh, the father does end up returning yes, because we find out, I don't, I don't know what happened. So he said he's on trial. We see the newspaper article that says he's been sentenced to five, five years. And, yeah. Bobby sends a note. Like, she sends something that the old man transports for her, Mm. and then
0: we see the guy come back. So does her note have anything to do with it? I don't think so. I think she's trying to ask him for help, and I think he was kind of interested in the case anyways because he maybe hooked him up head. with a better lawyer or yeah, something he didn't think he'd done it. yeah they obviously worked through the system in a way that got him released
3: right so essentially she gets her dad released
0: yeah so we have the end of the movie where the train pulls up and there's all the all the steam and smoke that's around and then the train pulls away and then there's daddy on the platform yeah it's a really well done uh, little emotional moment there and Okay, go ahead. I was gonna say and then of course she brings him home and lets him into the house and then grabs the other kids and says, We better go away for a few moments. <gasps> so let them fuck, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I thought. There's another <laughs> scene in this movie too that there's
3: an implied sex scene between oh, perks, perks and his wife.
0: Yeah, where Perks is in the bed and, and they're getting laid
3: He pulls down. the
0: he pulls the privacy shade. Yeah. And then what does she say? She says something like, "Oh, all right, it's your birthday." And then he like reaches out and decides he's gonna grab a beer to take in with him, and uh, yeah. <laughs> I assume drink that beer while she blows him. I don't know, but uh, something Why happens. Why not? Why not? That's a that's a good line. If he spells it, he spells it. That's right. Um, but I was gonna talk about the very ending too,
3: because the very end of the movie is like the Beverly Hillbillies, because they're all just waving at the
0: camera. Yeah yeah it's just it's a slow like moving on the tracks everybody's waving and then it gets up close to uh, roberta it's just holding up a chalkboard that says like the end
3: yeah you, we see her writing it yeah. and then we see her holding it up and i don't know it's kind of interesting it's a complete fourth wall break at the beginning of, at the end of the movie mm. there's been nothing really like that yeah. up to, leading up to that I'm but just, it's the
0: end of the movie you can do shit like that
3: yeah no i just i just wanted to bring it up see what you thought about it was fun that.
0: everybody they had the train set up it was all decorated
3: it's like it's like a like a cast what do you call it not a casting call. Um, like a roll call thing at the end where, you know, you watch a Broadway performance. Everybody comes out and does the bow. It kind of reminded me of that. Like, like
0: Animal House where they tell you where everybody went to? No. <laughs> <laughs> Not like Animal House.
3: <laughs> Ask for Babs. No. I'm talking about like at the end of a play specifically where everyone kind of comes out and takes their bow. Takes their bow, yeah. Yeah. And then everyone I mean, bows together. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was nice. It was kind of interesting. It even gives it a much more like uh, ensemble feel that way. It's like oh, we, all, we all were in on this. We're all a bunch of crazy kids.
3: That's right. Any other big things you want to talk about before we go into your bits and bobs?
0: Nothing. Nothing specifically. Uh, maybe in my bits and bobs I'll find something I forgot. Okay.
3: Well, on that note then, uh, we are going to take a brief commercial break. We're here from uh, some lovely sponsors at Age of Radio, and we will be right back.
0: Age of Radio. Ciao, <laughs> ciao, Maybe tomorrow I'll have some Bits and Bobs. Until tomorrow I'll read my Bits and Bobs.
3: We're living on the edge of Bits and Bobsies. Bits and Bobs are the
0: thing I want to read.
3: I'm at Bits and Bobsies in Cincinnati.
0: That was our best one yet. Yeah, it was. Uh, trains. Trains. Trains in the old days were the toy of choice, weren't they, Brandon? That was a really fucking nice train he had, because I think it was actually, like, coal-powered. Yeah. Like, it must have had, like, a water thing in it. He had to set a fire to get it to go. Like, that's pretty fucking cool. Can I put on my uh, film
3: glasses for a second? Sure. My small glasses? Do it. Um, I think the train Ooh. is very symbolic in this yes. movie. It's very, like... As soon as that train blows up, there's an issue. Yeah, And then we didn't even mention this scene, but they save a train from getting derailed.
0: Yeah, that's one of the vignettes. They they uh, There's a landslide in front of uh, the track, and they run down and take off their bloomers, which are red, and they wave them in front of the train to get the train to stop. And for some reason, Roberta stays on the track as and the passes, train...
3: I think she has a nervous...
0: Yeah, a nervous breakdown or, or an anxiety attack mm-hmm, or something, and yeah. she passes out. But the fact that she's, like, staying in the middle of the track, yeah, no wonder you get anxiety attacks, there's a fucking train coming at your face. Get off the track. Jenny Agutter! Get off the goddamn track. That wouldn't have stopped the train, her body. It's very soft. <laughs> but uh but
3: what I was gonna say is yeah, so and then then when they save that train, Jason, hmm. that is the moment where Perks brings peter his toy train yeah. and says hey i fixed it yes and it's almost like oh everything's starting to tur- turn around you know what i mean uh-huh. like i mean maybe it's a very basic like this train got saved and this toy train got fixed but i thought it was an interesting tie it's,
0: it's just an indication that things are indeed coming up millhouse yes <laughs> very um, much so I found it funny. Uh, uh, now, obviously, every movie we watch generally has a disclaimer about, like, you know, the person that's fictitious or whatever. I just found it really weird that that disclaimer was on the actual writing credit in the credit sequence to this movie. Oh, was it? Yeah, it's, like, written by Lionel Jeffries. Jeffries. And then at the bottom, in small print, it's, like, any you know resemblance to fictitious, they're all fictitious. Just fuck off. That's what it said. That's Phyllis who means well. Yeah, I, I thought that was funny. That made me laugh. Yeah. That, because Phyllis
3: is kind of a. That's what you
0: say about someone where you can't think of anything nice to say about them. Yeah,
3: she's she's sweet and everything, but yeah. she's she's kind of I don't want to say dumb, but you know she's a, she's kid. a kid. Yeah, she's exactly. eleven years
0: old. Um, I thought it was funny when they're getting their picture taken and they set the bird on fire and they all think that's really hilarious, which is exactly how kids would react. They wouldn't be scared. Yeah. They'd think that was really funny.
3: I like that the father that they love so much, the kids love so much, gets a uh, freeze frame introduction and glorious music playing.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: They really love that father.
0: Absolutely. Um,
3: when, oh, so we, we, briefly meet their aunt Emma. Can we play the music cue? Yes, yeah, so let's let's
0: play the fucking music cue.
3: Let's just play the music cue for Aunt Emma.
2: And Aunt Emma came on a visit. <laughs>
3: And then, by the way, she just it proceeds to be a white lady. Yeah. Thank God. I was worried that it was going to be someone in brown face. You know, I,
0: absolutely. You assume with this sort of music cue that it was, you know, like, like many sorts of music cues, it's shorthand for a given ethnicity. So she comes in and the sitar is playing. So you think, wait, is this lady Indian possibly? But no. <laughs> nope. The, the connection is she's eventually going to India or she's been to India and she's wearing a hat that resembles a pith helmet. Yeah, so she's very colonial and she
3: comes in and she's very much like you may kiss me if you want Yeah, I gonna... don't like children I think children should be seen rather than heard and actually you know what I don't even think they should be seen I also thought oh we're introducing her as a major villain but that's no. her only scene yeah no she's like literally in it for and, a sec oh and then they have a scene sorry I do have a bit later where they ask when they before they go to Yorkshire is Aunt Emma coming with us and then their mother's like no I'm afraid not and then it slowly pans over to Aunt Emma and then that sitar music kicks in yeah. for like another second <laughs> When they get to town... Oh, it's because she's going to be a governess in India. That's ah, what it
0: is. yes, yeah. So, of course, she's very prim and proper. Yeah. Uh, I like that when they get to the town, their first thing they think they should do for fun is walk along the railway tracks. Watch out, kids. Trains are heavy. Controversy about
3: this movie, by the way. In 2013, uh, the British Board of Film Classification actually had a uh, complaint about the movie that it encouraged children to play on the railway tracks. Yeah. And... Um, <laughs> they and they they defended it basically by saying well the children go on the railway tracks but the reason they do is to warn about a collision they're not yeah. going to like play on the
0: later tracks. in the movie but when they first get to town they're like hopping along and running along the railway tracks as they walk into town to go to the station mm. for the first time and meet perks they also said that the film their defense about that jason yeah.
3: because that did come up oh what about the other times <laughs> they said well the film was set in edwardian times when uh access to railway lines were not under the same restrictions as modern times
0: certainly not and and people didn't care as much because there have been less people murdered by trains yes so they bring the drunk doctor over at one point and mom's sick and he says she has the flu but she'll be fine now i get that nowadays the flu isn't as big a deal but it still is a big deal i would think in 1905 the flu would be a much bigger deal uh especially given what happens later on with the spanish flu after world war one i mean obviously they, they can't see into the future at that point but come on guys it's the flu. It's not. You, you got to take that shit seriously.
3: I, le- I There's a really sweet scene where they have a surprise party for Bobby because mm, she's yes. the she's the one we're following, right? Yes. And she's putting a lot of effort in to get stuff done. She's basically you know helping the other kids, and they throw her a surprise birthday party. And I just think it's such a lovely scene. And I don't know if this is true, but the way it looked like to me, so she's like kind of backing up, and you know everybody's kind of saying, oh, "Oh, happy birthday!" Perks is there, everything right? Did it seem to you like she might have been on like a track or something?
0: Yes, when you, when when uh, when she's talking to everybody and she's uh, kind of f- like falling backwards it's, almost it's, through the room, you know, she's definitely on like a track or yeah. on, a, on a, a wheeled board or something. Like a like
3: it almost looks like she's floating. Yeah, it's very magical. It was like a sweet thing because it was just like. It was kind of like, oh, she's kind of floating right now. Like, she's kind of so happy. Yeah, exactly. She knows everybody
0: loves her and appreciates her. And everybody's there, her mom, her her siblings, uh, Mr. Perk's like, you know, everybody's there. And it's Mm. a lovely, it's a lovely time. Yeah. Yeah. I just really like that. Very heartwarming. Um, (laughs) I love at one point, uh, uh, somebody says something about a big garden, big, great big garden squirt. squirt. I think Peter says it. And then, uh, uh, what's her face? Um, The middle child. Phyllis. Phyllis responds with, you're a great big garden sweat." And a, then he was, responds with, Oh, thank you. <laughs> wasn't that, didn't seem like a very modern joke? Like, yeah, well, just, especially the way that Peter responds by just being like, oh, thank you. <laughs> oh,
3: okay. I just meant like, a, like you know, something, something, towel. You're a towel. Yeah. Like, yeah just, they were ahead like, of the
0: game on that one. Yeah. I assume South Park stole it from this movie as well. Of course. Oh. Trey Parker, big Railway Children fan. At one point, mom sees a, a newspaper with some information on it about dad and so she burns it.
3: Yes, but then Bobby finds it later and Bobby finds it later and finds out the real thing. Finally train. finds out that he was accused of being a spy. Right. Uh,
0: once they save the day with the train, uh, they're they're bestowed their title of the Railway Children. <laughs>
3: oh, okay. I got, a, I got a little bit of a pitch here for you, sure. Jason. This should have been a weekly series. The mm. Railway
0: Children, just, like, solving mysteries and shit? Well, actually, I, I know you're joking, too, but, like, this, this, yeah, this concept could make a good weekly TV series I'm... because of the, the vignette nature of the movie. Oh, it's no. It's just little shit that happens in the town all day.
3: I, I, I'm kind of joking, but I'm, I am fully serious. Mm. Like, this could have been a
0: weekly show. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It'd be like the wind at my back. Uh, Canadian TV show about two kids growing up in, like, the 30s and canada similar idea where you could have a different story every week i'm surprised they never like tried to turn this into a uh, a running tv show
3: i think it could really work as like i think if it was adapted now instead of like you know in 1970 i think that's i think that's how they would go about it
0: yeah you could keep this thing going as long as you the kids were of an age where you thought that they were uh cute even just like a mini series yeah well i mean they did right in 2000 did they oh a seven part yeah yeah okay that was in 1968 though well the 2001 was that just a tv movie yeah okay um we had a fun thing uh with the band at the station during the celebration of the railway children being named the railway children uh, where the band is trying to play a song and the trumpet gut player keeps fucking it up and eventually the band leader realizes he has the wrong notes so he switches the paper with another guy and then everything sounds great but then of course he turns around and the kids are gone didn't even put together when I watched the movie. <laughs> I didn't
3: even see that. I didn't even notice that scene. It was so subtle.
0: Yeah, it was just happening. They would occasionally flick back to it. And I'm like, what, is the trumpet player drunk or stupid or something? But no, he had the wrong notes. <laughs> yeah, everyone waves and daddy's home. Bits and bobs.
3: Completed. Okay. Well, we'll talk about a little bit of the awards here. Sure. Um, no Oscars. What? Doesn't go to the Oscars, nothing. But at the BAFTAs, it does get nominated for a few things. Uh, does get nominated for Best Supporting Actor for Bernard Cribbins as Mr. Perks, thank, nice. thankfully. Uh, the winner is someone we've already talked about, uh, Colin Welland in Kess, the teacher from Kess. Oh, yeah. okay. Which in probably, Kess? What? For Kes? Yeah. Oh, okay. Which I think is probably
0: deserved. It wow, was really this good. movie was made the same year as Kess. Uh, yeah, Kess came out in 1969. Kess' budget must have been fucking nothing, because that looks like shit compared to this movie. <laughs> I mean yeah i mean you could argue too that I part of it's the gritty nature of the movie yeah I, was, I don't think kess looks like shit it's but. just it's a much dirtier looking type of film i mean
3: it's not an uplifting movie no. as as this, <laughs> More absolutely. Than this is. absolutely um it's also nominated for best original music um winner that year is butch cassidy and the sundance kid mm-hmm. and it is nominated for most promising newcomer for sally thompson who plays uh, phyllis oh wow um but the winner that year is david bradley and kess there the main child which again probably deserve. deserving absolutely yeah. uh this movie had a huge lasting impression on the british film industry mm. um it was all it's obviously on the bfi top 100 uh the film magazine total film placed it as the 46th the greatest british film of the 20th century uh in 2005 the bfi included it on their list of the 50 films you should see by the age of 14 mm-hmm. um So this is we. I'll read this, and then we'll just briefly discuss this. In 2008, the movie made it onto Channel 4's list of the 100 greatest family films at number 30, just ahead of Monsters, Inc. Fine. And behind Men in Black and Ghostbusters. Those are not family films.
0: I mean... Yeah, you, no. I think you can
3: watch them as a
0: family, but I wouldn't consider them a family They're film. They're not a family film. But but Ghostbusters you have to remember too, especially was in Men in Black even. They were super appealing to kids, but also adults.
3: Sure, but I mean it's not Monsters, Inc. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not.
0: Like, yeah, <laughs> Ghostbusters is not a family film in the way that Good Monsters, Inc. or The Railway Children is a family film. But it is a film that, like, multiple generations of people can watch.
3: See, to me, for the most part, family film is nothing beyond just PG. Yeah. And I mean, like, the regular PG, not PG-13. Like, I mean, PG and down. Well, Ghostbusters is PG, isn't it? 13. I don't think there's much. It's definitely oh, pg was 13 out oh, by yeah. then? Oh, it might not have been out by then, but, I mean, now it would be PG-13. I
0: mean, there's no F-bombs dropped, is there? No,
3: but there's other. Although words. he does
0: say th- this man has a small penis, doesn't he? Yeah, there's, <laughs> I think it would be PG-13 these days for sure. Or this man has no penis, maybe. Yeah.
3: <laughs> um, but yeah, that's uh, that's basically all I have. Don't have a whole lot of information. We uh, we talk about this movie, Jason. But uh, are you are you gonna go play with the trains? Or how do yeah. you feel about the railway children?
0: Absolutely, this movie was utterly charming and enjoyable, and and funny and heart- heartfelt and. Loved everybody in it. All the actors were great. Like, I mean, I would love to sit here and, and give you a rant of why I hated this movie, but I can't because I enjoyed it very much. It was pleasant. It was very pleasant. Yeah. It's not a bad movie to watch with grandma at all. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Um, it's like it's yeah like it's not anything i would be like oh
0: shit man you gotta fucking watch the railway children but i don't get blown man
3: but if it was like hey i'm really into british movies old mm-hmm. british movies and i have kids is yeah. there any
0: cross-section here i'd be like the railway children i wonder if kids today would enjoy this movie just because it's such an old-fashioned kind of thing but I, also at the right age maybe yeah maybe i, I think it's great I, like i say I, I love the kids i think there's it's a genuine relationship it's positive it's, it's you enjoyable. gotta
3: condition them you got yeah. to condition the kids to like old movies. At the beginning, you hook them while they're young, just like the
0: tobacco industry, You're 5 years old. So now we shall watch Casablanca. <laughs> <laughs> Get ready for Maltese Falcon That's next right. week. You're going to love Bogie. You're going to want to smoke so hard. So Jason,
3: I guess we're coming to that. Yeah, so I mean, I guess I kind of interjected a little bit here, but yeah, overall I also thought it was it was pleasant, it was nice, it was uh it, it was fluffy in the best way. Yes. Like it was it was it was really well filmed. The actors were charming. Yeah. Bernard Cribbins, especially, oh, like yeah. I think he's a real standout Wonderful. here. Wonderful, as well as Jenny Agutter, yeah. like as the lead. I think she's very good for, especially you know how young she was at the yeah. time. Um, still can't believe she's the nurse in American Werewolf in London. <laughs> <laughs> also great in that movie, but um, yeah, no, I think it's great. I, I don't know, like if it would place like super high, because but I think it's on. I think I would put it on that li- On the list anyway. I think it'd definitely be in the upper tier. Yeah, okay. I, I'm not sure yet. I think it's it's very solid, and it's a lot of fun, and it's very pleasant, and I had a great time watching it. Yeah. All right. It's hard to answer right now. You'll so, find out when we get to the,
0: the end of this 20 batch. Without violating any copyrights, you might say that some of our fingers are pointing to the sky. Uh, sure. Yeah. What is that a reference to?
3: Oh, a little S&E. Mm-hmm. So now, Jason, we come to the time where we are going to find out what we're talking about on this here program next week. Here we week. go, baby. And I believe, so I believe it is your role. Um, we are going to Jason is going to roll some dice here. Uh, the number he gets on those dice will be the number on the BFI Top 100 that we are going to talk about next week. For and now, as
0: often happens nowadays, since we were through most of the list, this might take a few rolls. So bear with us. Yeah.
3: So Jason has a 10s D10, which is uh, a green. That's the 10s D10. Mm-hmm. And a red D10. And we're going to find out, Jason, give us, let's carry on up that Kyber. All Come right.
0: on. It's finally time. Let's see what we get here. Okay. 50. 50s, okay. Well, it's not carry on up the Kyber, but. It's not going
3: to be unless you get a repeat. 58. Wow, you picked the only one. Nice. The only one. In, oh, no, there's there's three. Sorry. Okay. Um, 58, Jason. This uh, trivia for everyone almost was our first episode. Oh, we're finally doing The Man in the White Suit. We're finally doing The Man in the White Suit, right. 1951, directed by Alexander McKendrick.
1: Here I'm excited. we go.
3: Alec Guinness back again. It's been
0: a long time.
1: It it really
3: hasn't. No, it hasn't (laughs) at all. (laughs) Lavender Hill Bob was like five episodes ago.
0: It wasn't that long ago.
3: All (laughs) right, well, we'll talk about The Man in the White Suit, another uh, Ealing Studios comedy. I think we're running out of those. We must be. Um, But until then, you can find us all all over social media. You can find us on Facebook. You can uh, follow us on Twitter at BFI underscore pod. You can find us on all the podcast apps. Age of Radio, of course, is our home base. Ageofradio.org slash for screen and country. You
0: can find Jason on Twitter, at Jason D. McLeod. That's M-A-C-L-E-O-D. And special shout out to that one guy that signed up for a Twitter account and only follows me and Brendan. So thanks. Thanks. I mean, I always say stuff. I mean, I don't say that much on Twitter if you like some sweet retweets. uh, uh, But thank you. Thank you, person, for following us.
3: And bear with Jason's Twitter because sometimes his Wi-Fi is not that great on the train. So you might see like a few like incomplete tweets. The train. The train. Like like this city has a train, Brendan. Jason, we have so don't get me started on the amount of trains we have our in the train city.
0: station is a liquor store now for guys that's a fact
3: <laughs> um but yeah that's 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 the shit that's the stuff yeah. that's that's what we're talking about All we're right. going to talk about the
0: man in the white suit Ooh, sort of a, sort of uh unlike the lady in the blue dress yeah but a lot like lady in red shout out to monica lewinsky you're, you're doing god's work we love you
3: that was me kissing the sky <laughs> i excuse you <laughs> thank you Oh, but Jason, until next week, I just have to say to you, God save the queen. God save the screen. And for Screening Country, I'm Brendan. And I'm Jason. High five.
0: Fuck yeah. Episode complete. Booyah. Print it, motherfucker.
3: I'm
1: sitting in the station, got a ticket for my destination. On a tour of one night stands My suitcase and guitar in hand And every stop is neatly planned For a poet and a one-man band Homeward bound I wish I was Homeward bound Home When my thoughts are skipping. home When my music's playing home When my love lies waiting silently for me Every day is an endless stream Of cigarettes and magazines And each town looks the same to me The movies and the factories And every stranger's face I see Reminds me that I love to be oh, oh, I, I, I wish I was All
0: oh,
1: oh, around when my thoughts are sleeping, home. When I music.